new and exclusive from UK Packers Publishing, we bring you the exclusive illustrated book, the old-time classic, Where's Aaron Donald? You may have heard of Where's Wally. You may have heard of Where's Waldo, but now we bring you Where's Aaron Donald, the divisional edition. Can you find them? I can't find them anywhere. Look a little bit closer. I still can't find them. Don't look on the field, silly. Ah, there he is. He was on the sidelines. Turn to page two. Did you find him yet? I can't see him anywhere. Look a little bit closer. I can't find him. Are you sure? Ah, he was in Elton Jenkins' pocket the whole time. Well done. And if you order now, exclusively, you can pick up the Where's Aaron Donald NFC Championship Edition. Have you found them yet? I can't find them anywhere. Are you sure? Ah, there he is, watching the game, sitting on the couch. It's a lot of fun. Keep it fun. Got him. Uh, hello, everybody. Welcome to the UK Packers uh, podcast. I, I forgot my intro. I forgot my intro, Daryl. Forgot it because I'm so busy messing around. But I'm just, you know, I'm tired. Yep. I'm euphoric. Yep. And I'm a little slightly bit aroused. How are you doing, buddy? I'm the same. I've got all, all the feelings. I've got all the feelings. Um, Mostly happiness, obviously. It was brilliant. It was fantastic. I love the way we've kind of put to waste all of the narratives before the game. Now, again, this isn't some sort of um, Mo Farah, you know, the Mobot victory lap of like, oh, as if we had the benefit of hindsight. Aaron Donald was a threat. However, mm. we said that if he's wearing the flak jacket and all that, he's he's going to be nullified. Well, not nullified, you know, we were still sort of fearful of him because this is, again, I've used it a couple of times this week, but he's a generational talent. Uh, oh, yeah. But... You know what, we, we'll talk about him in a sec. And then Jalen Ramsey, who could not shut the trap before the game no. because he was over trying to annoy Devontae Adams. And uh, I remember seeing a video, it was like 50 Cent's most gangsta moments. And one of them was a rival rapper took a picture with his son and put it up on his Insta. And 50 just said, this was a bad idea. And that's all he said. And then he ends up like, you know, obviously going to town on these yeah. boys in the future. Like, that was what I was thinking when Jalen Ramsey was over, like, and looked like he was trying to be separated from Devontae. I was like, bro, that is a really bad idea. I mean, you should shut your mouth and let the play do the talking. But Well, if you're going to talk smack to these guys, at least be able to back it up. But um, Ramsey behaving like a toddler on the sideline after the touchdown was pretty good. And I think at that point, you know, it, up to that point, it was a bit tetchy. Yeah. Once that sound went in, I, I think we, we basically got under their skin and we just went to town on them. And, you know, there was a couple of downsides, which we'll obviously touch on. But let's let's stick to the, the good sides at the minute. And we put up 32 points on these guys. Mm. This was, you know, when you think about it, this is the number one defense that we made them look ordinary, average. Uh, you know, I mean, there's some crazy stat then. It's like Green Bay put 484 yards of you know total of the total offense it's the most against the league's best scoring defense in the playoff game since the 1970 merger so like this was apparently you know up against the number one defense it didn't look like that at all but this is what i like now the, the few caveats for me in this because again like i know 
we would more lean. Well, I like to think that we're more objective when we do this podcast. So you won't get any like manky hot takes. You won't get anything like, oh, well, I think about this player. You know, and that's why we can sort of sit and go, I appreciate your side of things, that extreme side. Uh, but here, you know, because like what, um, was a phrase on the podcast for so long Peter used to say it was is that there's there's usually two extreme sides and the real truth of the game is usually somewhere down the middle and that's the way it was like in this game we come up against a pretty uh, tough defence Jalen Ramsey for all the talking he did was just simply nullified there's no excuses for him um, now again you could point to the cold but that's why you play so well in a place like Green Bay to bring people into your area that's just how it is the crowd helped as well and Aaron Donald um, as we said in pre-prod I mean yes he was injured Um but he, they still played him and yep. he didn't come in on every snap they were arresting him. And I guess that's with the Rams. Did we look out with that, that he was injured? Of course we did in the sense that he was injured. But what I will say is, is and I, I suppose you can probably take it from here, but Elton Jenkins is an absolute, like whatever about Aaron Rodgers and the MVP chance, I'm not sure the crowd weren't shouting that at Elton Jenkins in that game because he was just sensational. Yeah, he was absolutely amazing. To, you know, And again, the rib injury would have helped. And he wasn't playing to his best, but credit to Jenkins, he did exactly what, what, to be fair, no one expected him to do that as well. We still thought Donald was going to be a handful. He ended up being completely nullified. As you say, you didn't see him. Where was he? Where yeah, was exactly. Yeah, and we're still looking for him. Uh, you can buy those books on ukpackers.co.uk. <laughs> uh, amazing. Yeah, the the second edition is simply one page of him sitting on a couch. But look, it's we've seen this happen though with a defensive player like and and you you the thing about it is is that you hit the nail on the head in the in the quick snaps when you said that when you're a defensive player, your swim move is going to be taken away by that rib injury. Because I did see an awful lot of commentary, Daryl, before the game where people are saying this rib injury is not going to matter. He's going to be so jumped up on, you know, shots to take away the pain. He's not going to feel it. Um, now, that aside, I don't know the extent of the injury, whether it would restrict movement or whether he would be just hyper-conscious not to start ripping stuff up again if he goes gung-ho on it, which is why they pulled him back. Either way... We saw that frustration come out in Aaron Donald when there was a bit of handbags uh, during the game, when he pulled that Elton mm. Jenkins face mask because he got so annoyed. Now, if you look at the play yeah. leading up to that, it's Jenkins shoving him into the dirt. That's what it is. It's yeah. like him shoving his nose in the dirt. So it's not. And I don't like Jenkins. You don't hear an awful lot about. He's not a rah-rah guy. Actually, we gave his jersey away in the Raz. Um, that was that's just gone. So fair play to someone who got that. You're getting a yeah. potentially it's future holding on. Fame, now, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was shoving his face in the dirt, and then like you alluded to Ramsey when that touchdown went in with Devonte. Uh, instantly behind Devonte is him jumping up and down, throwing his toys out of the pram because he got upset that you know he's trying to blame somebody else. I mean, not taking accountability for it. I would say though is that when it comes down to Jared Goff, um, as much as there was commentary on small hands, bad weather, bowl handling and all this type of stuff, he did pretty well on the night, to be he fair. I mean, really he was almost well. perfect. Yes. I mean, I didn't, you know, I saw a lot of his, a lot of his throws were on point. They were absolutely yeah. amazing. That thumb injury didn't seem to do him. And, you know, and he was one of the ones I think we'd sort of, you know, how's he going to play? He was a question mark about him. He played really well. Cam Ackers, he was a pain in the bum. He was brilliant. He was everywhere. Yeah. Absolutely making a nuisance of himself. So, you know, you can't even say here that the Rams had a very bad game. We got under their skin. Mm. I think a lot of it came down to McVay tried to push them to play more like Packers, and they don't have the people for that. They just don't. They can't play the way the Packers play in the offense in particular. And, so, you know, I don't think there was anything necessarily wrong with their game plan either. They tried to force a few things, which obviously didn't come off for them. But that's that's down to a lot of pressure that was being put on them in, in every area. It, to me, this was another 
four-quarter game for the Packers. It wasn't as complete a victory in the sense of you can point to a few things that happened that were obviously quite bad. I mean, Lazard, that drop, and I think this was key to the game for me, and it's key to the way the Packers play and how cohesive they are as a unit and why they're able to pull out these results is because they kept faith with him. Mm. They allowed him to, I mean, look what he did then with that the A-Rod's 58-yard pass to him in the end, you know, they kept faith with Lazard. Lazard gave himself a kick, knew what he needed to do, but they still threw the balls his way. You know, they had other, they, I mean, Aaron Jones, again, was phenomenal. Williams was phenomenal. Phenomenal, um, yeah. You know, Tonyan had a, a quiet game by his standards, but they still joined up very well. And 60 they, yards, they yeah. did. Yeah, yeah, they still incredible. did. You know, you were looking going, well, I haven't seen Tonyan in a while, and he still managed 60 yards. Like, So it's one of these things, they were all playing to such a high level. Um, AJ Dillon played out of his skin. You've got to keep yeah. reminding yourself, this guy's a rookie. Um, but he was playing with the confidence of a guy that's been out there for 20 years. I mean, I'm a bit concerned now about his injury and on perhaps Mason Crosby. We'll have to wait and see how the, both of them get on. Yeah. Some of the black marks on the game, though, special teams, again, were woeful. Yeah. Austin, what was what was he doing? Yeah. And I mean, um, you so, picked that out on the quick snaps as well. I mean, that was the one area that you said that we could fall down here. And sometimes it looked like that, especially with some yeah. of the decisions and, yeah. and runbacks. Yeah. But again, not to again, not concerned because we didn't get. Again, we didn't get punished for how bad the special teams were. And to be very fair, we've been saying it all season. I want a lovely thing to say that I think this offense can dig us out of any hole we get ourselves into. We all we could have put forty points mm. on the Rams. We left a good few points out there on that field just from a few un- you know uncharacteristic errors. But then that's the pressure of these games. Even though you're playing in Lambo, this is a playoff now. You're going to make mistakes. There's going to be nerves. What I liked is the team were able to change direction when they needed to to mop up any errors that they were making and it, i mean mvs he was brilliant as well yeah and i aaron took a few shots to mvs as well that kind of put him in a position that you know yeah. was not likely to come down with the ball but that's one thing that i want to point out too is that there was two plays in a row uh, two shots to the end zone i believe where aaron Rodgers banged the ball in and it nearly got picked off twice but what i like is is one the aggressiveness for matt lafleur to call these plays uh, and second off is Aaron Rodgers to take the chance to shove that into coverage. Because here's a guy, right, who doesn't go to the Pro Bowl uh, because he's, mm. from what I can see, he's not arsed. Uh, once the football season is over, he wants to be done. With it. He's, ha- he's got enough money than going down to, you know, Florida to play these games now and to hang out with people and all that type of stuff. So he doesn't do the Pro Bowl anymore. So to me, I, I had the assumption that, like, it's like when you see someone who's, you know, really good at something or someone who's really good looking. You don't question that they think they're good looking. You just go, of course, yeah. he things. And you don't see the insecurities there that some people might not yeah. feel that way at all. So for him, you look at how good he is and you're like, of course, he doesn't go to the Pro Bowl. You know, he's, he's called the GOAT and the MVP the minute he gets up in the morning to when he goes to bed at night and probably in his dreams. So when you talk, when he talks about the MVP and how much that means to him, um, you know, when he talks about the moment where they start chanting MVP in the stadium to him and just how much that means to him. He's on the Pat McAfee show talking about that it'd be fantastic to get it. It shows that he cares about his legacy more so now as he gets older. And yeah. with that said, you would expect him to be more uh, risk averse. He wouldn't be banging the ball into double coverage because he's worrying about his stats and how he appears and all this. But it's a weird blend that he, when his play is increased and his accuracy is still ridiculous and the way he resets and throws the ball off any angle is, is just insane. He's not human. Let's just put it that way. Is that he's still throwing the ball and taking these risks to MVS and everything else. And he, I love that as well. Remember, MVS made a move and came back and got the ball. It was the most important play of the game. It was a third yeah. and three, I think. 
um, or maybe even third and longer, I can't remember now. But Aaron Rodgers looked to him and pointed to his chest, to his heart, and pointed to his head as if to say, that's it, like that's what you need to be doing. And that's the, that's the backbone of this team. The team are together, they're on the same page, they believe in each other and trust each other. And that's going to take us through now and has taken us through to the NFC Championship game and hopefully through that game into the Super Bowl. And if it does, this is truly something that will be special to watch on America's game because it's going to I be so. a mesh. Because, I mean, look, Darryl, the fan base were against the team from early on. This was a team that was 13-3. and three. We were seen as pretenders. We've come out and done it again. And I know I've been talking for ages now, but I just want to address one thing, right? I did believe that we had enough weapons because I felt that uh, our weapons did not lie solely with wide receivers. We were going to mm-hmm. use the running backs, pre-snap motion, uh, bunch formations to get people open. Tight ends are going to be more important. And that's why they drafted the way they drafted, right? Now, mm-hmm. an awful lot of those draft picks were a reach. Could we have done with a wide receiver? Yes. Could we have got the receivers that broke out this season? Uh, no, not unless you had amazing... Because uh, everyone now is like these expert 2020. Oh, well, we could have got this player and look yeah, at yeah. what he is now. And you're like, oh, yeah. where was yeah. he on the draft board, for God's yeah. sake, right? Yeah. But I saw the comment, because Aaron Nagler was dragging people last night saying about the draft draft again right and the comments underneath it was like oh I can't believe people are still talking about this listen buddy right this is the way it goes if you're going to come out and talk so much SH1T about the draft and about wide receivers and about lacks of weapons and that we're not going to go anywhere we're not going to do anything this is a 10 win team and all that we all thought well there's a potential for that there but you know some of us sort of said no let's keep the faith maybe they know more than yep. we do and people scoffed at it those same yep. people can't turn around now and go oh, just shut up talking about it because that's all they would talk about for so yep. long um, and it's yep. time we got behind the team and just crack on but the thing is is with that said we could get shut down by a good defence and we could look weaponless of course we can and scheme mm. might not work of course it is we have brain fart moments and that might happen and then we look ordinary that can also happen there's swings and yep. roundabouts but you know some of these things you know be it the draft or be whatever wide receivers or no wide receivers it's very played out and has been boring and played out for a long time now um, so whatever about people dragging them but when people are dragging other people you can't turn around and go okay stop talking about it now it's like oh, this is life that's what happens yeah. if you're going to be that well, vocal about it at the start you have to reap what you sow on that. And it's something that we've been saying from the beginning, especially with LaFleur and what he's done for this team. And it's taken him two seasons to get there. Yeah. He has made a cohesive unit where Rodgers is quite happy to throw that ball, as you said, mm. because he knows there's guys there that are able to take it. They trust each other, absolutely trust each other. And you can see it. They're so cohesive as a, as a unit now. They're almost thinking with one brain. They know exactly what mm. they need to do. They're extremely well drilled. And, you know, and I hope when we do look back at this season at the end, you can see all of these things clicking into gear as the season goes on. And if anything, they're becoming more and more cohesive. They're making mistakes. They're backing each other up and they're getting the job done at the end. You, you know, you talk there about other players just coming together. There was no sacks on Rodgers yesterday. Look at look at the work Turner and Wagner did. It was yeah. unbelievable stuff. Mm. These guys are all playing to their strengths and the floor has them so well drilled. But they believe in this. They buy into it. And you go back to the beginning of this season, you know, there was a, a, a rookie there was a rookie quarterback in the dressing room. People were pointing and going, oh, there's a rift going on and oh, yeah, it's yeah. all... It, there was nothing of the sort. Yeah. These guys were obviously, whatever whatever LaFleur laid down on the table from day one, they bought into it from day one. So whatever he was doing, and I think we, we can't give him too much credit here. He has he has been amazing what he's done with the same group of players. Let's face it, this is the same team for basically the last three seasons now. You know, question you're for you though, Daryl. Are you surprised? Because like when, I, when you think about it and you think of this coming in, because Aaron Rodgers could have taken that anyway. Are you surprised yeah. that, that we're successful again? Or did you have the faith that, because the floor again being young, to me it just seems like there was so much stacked against this team that if, if the chemistry was wrong in any way, if Preston Smith 
had mm. the season that he's had this season, last season, and we didn't have that camaraderie between the Smiths and that built up the locker room, that could have impacted things. It just, Does it not seem to you that like things could have been dodgy? Like no, no wide receiver could have been really dodgy. I mean, had we not performed the pressure that they were under, you know, it's like when you take a risk, like high risk, high reward, and that's kind of what's happened here. Um, and there was merit to say like, okay, you know, if this doesn't work out, well, then you have to eat it. Um, yeah. Are you surprised? And do you think that no matter how the season ends, that this can be replicated moving forward? I'd hope so. I'd hope if LaFleur stays there, this kind of almost corporate culture they've built in the team, it's mm-hmm. obviously now, it's coming from the top down and that's yeah. the best way to build a culture. You can't build it from the bottom up. It has to come from the top. And it reminds me, and, and the reason why I think I was sort of happy to keep the faith at the beginning with LaFleur, because thinking, going, changing codes now and looking at rugby, when our beloved Leinster, um, you know, took on Joe Schmidt. He was young. He wasn't tested. No one knew anything about him. He came into the dressing room, completely changed everything. And people said the same thing. They're going, this guy's not going to work. Who who is this guy? You know, you know, and they had, unlike the Packers, they had an absolute, they had so many losses. I think they had something like seven losses on the trot and people were calling for that going, who is this guy? He's never been tested before. He's been, you know, a junior coach. He's been an understudy coach. He's never had the main job, but I've seen what happens when you've got a complete culture change that comes from the top, that everyone buys into from day one. They have the faith to realize, well, if it doesn't go well, we know we're on the right track. We just need to keep going and this will come together. And I've seen that happened already with Leinster and I think we're seeing it again here with Packers where this was where they bought into it from day one there was definitely things that could have gone wrong mm. but they all bought into it and it's it's paying dividends now and I think if that culture continues and I think it will we could be looking at hopefully a, a long time with with LaFleur in charge yeah and I mean it's a credit to Mark Murphy to grab that by the balls and go for it as well and he did the same yeah. with Gudekunst like there was a couple of things he did that people have to remember like one of those is getting yeah. LaFleur in when Josh McDaniels and he came out publicly and said McDaniels wasn't really prepared thinking he could probably just walk in and get the job and that's a bad thing to have LaFleur would have been hungry and wanting to prove himself which is incredible yeah. and then there was Elliot Wolf. Um, the son of Ron Wolf. Now, I said at the time that just because your dad is a brain surgeon doesn't mean I trust you to crack my skull open, you know, and that's mm-hmm. the way it was with Elliot Wolf. Now, he got promoted and they tried to keep him sweet in Green Bay for a long time. That's known. But the fact that they let him walk and Gudekunst was about to get on a plane and they had to call him back and give him the job for fear of losing him. I think Goody's done a fantastic job, whatever you think yeah. about the draft. And that's not coming from me. I mean, that's coming from Matt LaFleur saying that he's been given the right pieces. Now, is he going to come out and say like Goody's a you know, this, that and the other. He doesn't give us the pieces that we need. Well, like, no, obviously. But also just look at the success on the field. He, like, LaFleur obviously has the pieces that he needs. And uh, you're a bit of a dummy if, you, if you're going to turn around and say, oh, well, he's getting this success in spite of what he's been given. Um, you can only assume that they're working closely uh, with each other. But just to pick out one thing that you said, that the team are gelling really well and they're sort of picking up for each other. The AJ Dillon fumble with Aaron Rodgers picking yeah. it up straight away. I mean, yeah. some of that's dumb luck, but some of it's just being absolutely keyed in and zeroed in. Incredible. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, and I think that's the thing. They're almost, it's like one organism. Yeah. We are Borg. It's like they're thinking <laughs> together as one resistance is futile. But it is one of those things that they actually are, they seem to be one creature. It's like one, yeah. it's like one brain on the pitch. It's not loads of egos. And to be fair, you can say that about any sport. If they play as a team and they stop thinking about themselves, and you've already covered this point very well with A-Rod himself, but I think that's the point. They leave their egos for the dancing on the sidelines after they do what they need to do. Important point, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, AJ Dillon, there doesn't seem to be any angst there. They actually genuinely seem to be rooting for each other. And if you look at the results on the pitch, 
Um, Aaron Jones 99 yards with a 7.1 yard average in rushing Jamal Williams 5.4 for 65 yards and AJ Dillon a limited role but as you said an impactful and important role uh, 27 yards on 6 carries at a 4.5 if you have 3 running backs in your stable that can come in and mix it up and each of them are tipping the scales at you know nearly 5 yards per carry and above that sort of smells of success so what else in this game Daryl again either took you by surprise or good or bads or uglies for you well, what took me by surprise was one of the big questions I had coming into this game was, we're playing the number one defense. How good is our offense? Yeah. You know, that's That was my big question going, we need to play, we, we want to play in the big leagues. We want to be playing, in the, you know, because people are going, oh, the division was, you know, we're playing crap teams. And of course, we're going to look great. The offense is going to look brilliant. But what if they come up against such and such and such and the same old stuff. But that was a, a serious concern of mine going, well, you know, what happens when we do come up against the number one defense in the league? Well, we just saw that. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sort of sick of the trope myself because I was thinking, well, you know, yes, our offense can dig us out of any hole we get into. But let's be real here. If our offense gets shut down, we're in big trouble. Yeah. You know, that's still a concern. But as you said, that's every day of the week, you're going to come up against a team that will beat you. Mm. But I was delighted to see that our offense is actually the real thing. It's not a mirage. It's not this thing of, oh, we only put 30 points up on, on poor teams like the Bears suck. We know that. But look at this. This was the number one. You can't even say they had a bad night. We just dismantled them. We put them yeah. under pressure and we beat them. And I know Aaron Donald is an important part of that, getting the pressure up front. But either way, I mean, they, you know, a defense isn't... Um, look at J.J. Watt, you know? And you yeah. can't sort of say, like, with him being dominant all those years, sure, the Texans are number one in defense. They weren't. It was an yeah. important part of it. Yeah, uh, yeah. But there was other players in there doing the job. And Jalen Ramsey, all these stats that came out of him doing the business as well. And you're kind of thinking, you know, Devontae Adams was able to put ways to him. The way I equate this is, is that there is someone maybe listen to this podcast, but there's certainly someone sitting at home or, you know, off out working or whatever that is actually the best triple jumper in the world but doesn't know yep. it because they've never tried it, right? Never and it's, just, yep. it's the same as like, you know, there's definitely someone out there with those fast twitch muscles that has that talent that just hasn't been discovered yet. And there's also, can you imagine that there's someone playing Sunday League football who has an incredible talent that is never going to be discovered because he's either too old or he's in the wrong place, the wrong circumstance at the wrong time. If you were to get Lionel Messi and put him on a Sunday league game, he would stand out and score 100 goals, no doubt. There probably is some young fella or some old fella out there across the UK and Ireland doing that right now. The Packers can only play in the situation that they're put. So if yeah. we are the Messi in Sunday league football and we're waxing all these teams, you can't criticise us for the circumstance in which we find no. ourselves and that's the case. But as you said, this should have been a real test to us and we still notched up over 32 points and with the Rams with the top scoring uh, defence they only allowed 18 points per game the Packers had 19 in the first half alone and it's 16 of those coming in the second quarter with showing their dominance in the second quarter again um, so like consistency is key and that's the one thing Aaron Rodgers says was incredibly difficult about this game but that's what exactly what they did again you're just reminding me there when you talked about triple jumping do you remember that joke Billy Connolly made where he's there was a guy is in the Olympics and he's walking along and he says oh he sees a guy <laughs> carrying carrying a pole vaulting yeah. stick and he goes are you a pole vaulter no I'm a German but how did you know my name was Volter <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Billy Connolly, it's so underrated. Like, and I love people when they say, oh, it's just his accent and the thing go back. No, no, watch his stuff. It's absolutely oh, genius. Poor old, the big yin, good old mm. Billy. But yeah, no, completely. And, and I think going back to your point, one man does not a defense make. So you can wax lyrical about Aaron Donald and oh, if he was at full strength. If he was at full strength, we might not have got 32 points. Mm. But we're still going to beat the Rams. You know, it doesn't matter. Maybe 29. 
maybe <laughs> just maybe you know we might give him three points maybe yeah. maybe Crosby loses his head but I completely agree I'm sick of this going well well you know if the Rams weren't at full strength they were you know Donald had a rib injury they played him they wouldn't have played him if, if he wasn't if he didn't think he was able to play did it affect his mobility definitely did we get in his face though absolutely yeah. the same thing about you can't even say that Jared Goff was he playing at his best? He was playing bloody well, really well, um, I can, incredibly. You know, well. I can think of I can think of quarterbacks out there that he would wax himself. He was playing extremely well for someone that people go, you know, oh, there's two quarterbacks there, and they're do the, which one's playing? Are they all confused? Do they know what they're doing? Cam Akers played a blinder, you know. So, I, the Rams, they were at full strength. We beat mm. them very, very well. Who do we want next? Who do we want next? That's the question. I know who we want on mm. paper. We want Saints. But do we want books, though? Because I would like a little bit of poetic punishment back on them. I'm also nervous, though. I don't yeah. want to do the same thing to again. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> what did we hope for? Oh, but if oh, you were to look it, uh... if you look at the Rams side of things, right, you have a quarterback uh, with a quarterback rating of 84.4 or 105.9, the other metric. Um, yeah. He goes 21 to 27 for nearly 200 yards. Um, he's only scores one touchdown to be fair you have a running back in Cam Akers that goes 90 yards on 18 carries at a 5 average uh, Goff looked lively and then he had a couple of receivers that were doing the job there as well yeah. you look at that on paper and you're kind of thinking like you know they didn't have too bad of a game but then no. you look at just because what I find is an important talking point and I know people were waxing lyrical about like the age of these dudes and everything else but if you look at uh, Matt LaFleur so um, Sean McVeigh was doing Matt LaFleur the Matt LaFleur impression longer than Matt LaFleur was doing it. So right. he reached the prominence at age 30 ridiculously. Um, and then, you know, he was doing all these rub routes and bunch formations and uh, pre-snap motion and pretty much all of that. It seems like LaFleur has taken that and really put his own DNA and stamp on it. And he's got the weapons to do it too. So in this season, LaFleur stepped out of the shadow somewhat of Kyle Shanahan. I know he bet a team that was kind of, you know, mm. banged up and everything else. So the 49ers, no one's talking about them anymore. Uh, we oh. came up against the Rams who were good enough to make the playoffs and had a damn good game, to be fair. You know, I don't think you could have looked at Goff and said like, oh, he, he stunk up the place. Oh. He didn't. Um, no. He comes up against McVeigh albeit with some parts missing. You could say that about back to Ari, right? If we were under, yeah, underperforming, true. you could say, oh, well, yeah, you know, right. arrow line, but we yeah, still... We're missing to players it. too. We're yeah. missing players as well, you know? So he, he stands out from behind the shadow of Sean McVeigh. So the only thing left for me with LaFleur is, is that if he marches and absolutely trounces, be it the Saints or the Bucks in the NFC Championship game and goes into the Super Bowl, if he can bring back the Lombardi Trophy... Um, we have to be talking about him and one of the great... We should be now, to be fair, with the win percentage, but of course, people are going to give the excuses of look at the talent oh, yeah. that he has oh, in there and all this type of stuff. Yeah, yeah. But hold on, this is a team, right, that didn't have a wide receiver. This is also a team yeah. that Mike McCarthy <laughs> had that couldn't get anything out of and slumped. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you know, that narrative doesn't really sit. The clincher for me, as it always is, and it doesn't always ring true because the Packers have been on the opposite side of this, particularly with the Bears game. The time of possession, Daryl, 36 yeah. minutes. Yeah. Bonkers. Oh, by the way, the Bears suck. They still do. They really do. They really do. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of positives to take out of this. I do think, and I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but looking back on this, we are going to see this as Lafleur taking something. He's he's taking somebody else's Lego and building something way better than we had before. And I love to see it. And I think we do have, and it's pretty exciting time though. You look at this stable of young, hungry managers like Lafleur, like McVeigh, that are doing something different. Yeah. And they're not, well, they're not buying in loads of new players and turning it into, you know, building a team with their own stamp on it, yeah. their fingerprints on it. They don't. They're playing with someone else's toys. They're just playing with them better. 
And I think we just need to we need to keep that in our heads. I've been I'm a massive fan of floor and have been since the beginning. So I'm quite mm. smug now to be able to turn around and say, yeah, I told you so. But, you know, I think a, a lot of us were a lot of us were happy to see this because this was and yeah, people were going, well, you know, he can't he doesn't have the players. What's he going to do if they couldn't do it last season? What's he going to do with them? Well, there's your answer. He's done it now two seasons on, on the trot and he's gotten better with this. But basically the same core of players. Do you know what? Do you know what the real life equivalent of it is? Matt Lafleur is the guy who's in the ma- in the lad group, and he retells the joke that you just told, but does it better and gets the laugh. Yeah, That's exactly so. who Matt Lafleur is. Yeah, you know, I really hate that. I really yeah. hate that. You know, you're just looking and you can't sort of say it's like uh, you know that skit. Who is it? Um, God, they're on Comedy Central. Uh, a A Ron. Do you know those dudes? Oh, yeah. I yeah, keep, yeah. Every time I think of them, I keep thinking Penn and Teller. But it's totally like Keen Peel, where he Keen goes, uh, "I'm high on pot noose." If you see that skit where the other goes, "I miss, <laughs> I'm high on pot noose," that he ends up like you know meeting the president and going getting famous. That's um, that's Matt Lafleur. But um, any yeah. other um, sort of closing arguments? Um, I say this as a lawyer. You probably you're going to stand up now and pontificate. Well, I think that oh, um, how long have you got? Yeah. How long have you got? <laughs> I didn't uh, my closing no, argument. I'm, I'm still really. We're so close now. I'm getting more nervous, if anything, mm. um, because I'm just expecting this to end horribly. Uh, because I'm and I'm an optimistic pessimist, but I'm getting more and more <laughs> nervous as we go along. Yeah. Um. And I, you know, I'm I'm worried about this next. If it's the Saints, I won't be so worried. I'd like to play the books again just mm. to put that really the worst game we've had this season. It's the only blip along the way. Yeah. A complete brain fart of a game. I don't know what was in the air or in the water that night. So I would like to just the poet in me would like to see us play them again and redeem ourselves well and put thirty points on the books. But if I want if I want to sort of almost have no injuries and hopefully we can get to a Super Bowl with a good win, you obviously want to play the Saints. But then again, I'm nervous. These are playoff games. No, yeah. every, this every game is a final now, and that's why we. I'm a bit. I'm nervous. That's all. We because we need just one more brain fart game and we're gone. And you know, I just don't want that to be the end of this season. We all know what we want. Um, so I'm just more nervous than anything else. Excited. Yeah. But that's the thing as well. I mean, look at this, um, even in this game, and we're, we won't get into the negatives too much because let's just keep it flying high. But the defense was very mushy. It was very yeah. soft. Um, you know, it was very limp, let's just say. Very flaccid when, in, at nice. points. Yeah. Nice. Um, when you look at this. So, you know, when you come up against a Drew Brees and a Tom Brady, and especially with the weapons that Tom Brady has, I mean, it's the little dinky donkey soft stuff that he will just carve you up all day, without a doubt. And as well as that, look at the weather that he had in New England. So this isn't a guy who's going to be yeah. impacted by the conditions like Drew Brees. But I thought I read something that there was a stat that uh, when the Saints come up against the Bucks, they've won four out of five, I think. I don't know whether that's in the playoffs or just in recent history. I, you know, again, typical, didn't look into it fully. But, you know, it's just one of these things that fleeted on by. Um, so who knows? There could be an upset there because they're playing in that's the it. dome. I mean, they, they'd have no fear of each other. They have no, no fear of each other. That's the other thing. It's a bit like Wales playing the All Blacks all those years. You know, they'd no fear of them. That's it. The Black jersey didn't matter to, to those guys. So same as the French. But it is one of those things that I think we could see an upset. But which who would you rather have playing? I don't really care. I'd love to see Tom Brady or Drew Brees come back to Green Bay and, and let's see what they can do, you know? Yeah, like I know life doesn't work this way. That's why I love no. this thing of like, oh, retweet if the if the Packers are going to win. You're like, oh, bro, You're like, on. yeah, retweet if the lotto, retweet if I get a new car, retweet pay off my mortgage. I mean, that's not how life works. Yeah. It's the modern equivalent of like, oh, just hit a prayer underneath this Facebook post and it's all these yeah. doctors so and prayers. these sick kids. Thoughts and prayers. Oh, man. It's but, a bit like that time Bono was on stage and he was clapping, wasn't he? And every time I clap my hands, a child in Africa dies and someone goes, well, stop clapping then. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, they just don't skip a beat. That's like the um, I love when people. That's a real Irish thing, though, isn't it? The way they turn it around. Because wasn't there a bus came up and there was no space, and there was an, a Dublin old woman on the waiting for the bus, and the doors opened, and he goes, "Sorry, you have to wait for the next one." And she goes, "Oh well, how long's the next one?" He goes, "The same length as this one." <laughs> <laughs> oh, you gotta love the dubs. Um, but it's like that. It's like that when you when you see a tall person in Ireland, and the phrase is always, "Jesus, if you were any longer, you'd be late." <laughs> <laughs> and then I heard someone say, "We could do these all day." This is the stuff that we trade. I heard someone say, "Like, oh yeah, sure, that's what well, she goes. That's an elaboration." She goes, "Oh my god, that's a big word for such a small person." And it's just the equation of like size with word, you know. Oh man, we must do a podcast just Irish humor, and then just keep banging yeah, on about it. Irishisms, yeah. But I reckon we could probably park it there. Now, I will say um, patreon.com forward slash UK Packers. The next draw is going to be for that Matt Black Mason Crosby helmet. Because we have a good few Patreons now, I'm thinking about just doing that as a Patreon-only draw. Um, it's great as well because there's some excellent banter that does be going on on Patreon because you can leave posts and get back to people and all that. And it's re I really feel like people are invested when they get in there because they get their T-shirt and, of course, they, they get a, a free place in that March draw of, like, this stuff was worth, like, literally a couple of grand um, so you know get, if you want to get yourself that type of stuff by all means jump into the Patreon you know it costs the price of a cup of coffee and it's not as if you're actually paying that because you're you know you're getting yourself into the raffle to win a couple of hundred quids worth of March every single month which is incredible want to see what those videos are like and how it works well then go to youtube.com forward slash UK Packers and if today goes as planned that skit that you heard at the start of the podcast I'm going to be doing a video just to have a bit of fun with that later as well also some great news at Daryl J O'Brien saw a bit of a twatter explosion um, last night and got some more followers but you're relatively new to Twitter Daryl and I don't know by the recording of this podcast if you've even got up over a hundred yet which is a travesty really so people well, need to park and get on I don't want to get very big headed but I mean I'm kind of a big deal now I mean yeah. I'm pretty famous I've got like 80 <laughs> at the time we were recording yeah. I have 84 85 followers yeah. and only about half of them are Russian bots <laughs> so I mean you know I don't let it go to my head I'm, yeah. I'm just Daryl I'm just mm. Daryl yeah. I'm just a normal guy. I'm like you. you know? I don't know that these Russian bots, if they're on OnlyFans, I mean, they're, you know, in the top couple of percent earners uh, by all intents and purposes. So, I mean, you've got some pretty powerful, rich people following. Well, if, if Putin is wants a bit of this action and wants to keep an eye on me because I'm some kind of Russian security risk, go yeah. go ahead. That's what happens. Go ahead. Hot Packers takes. So, yeah, if there's any more hot Russian bots out there that like to follow <laughs> me, I mean, go nuts. You literally just need to put out some like very questionable word. Like, yeah. you know, SEX on, on Twitter and then all of a sudden you've yeah. got 8,000 followers in one. Yeah. yeah, that's probably. Yeah. So if if you hear of anyone being poisoned um, by some yeah. Novichok agent um, from Russia, that's probably just me. Yeah, I've I've rattled a few cages. You've become too powerful with all the bots. Maybe yeah. you're maybe you think you're building up an army of bots. I mean, that's oh, imagine having an army of Russian bots. <laughs> I mean, there wouldn't be any use. They just leave sarcastic comments under everything. But, yeah. I mean, you know. Senses don't make sense and they never retweet. But, you know, there's yeah. swings and roundabouts. So there it is, <laughs> at Darren J. O'Brien, <laughs> at SteedyFL on Twitter. You can follow me, at the Paddy Packer on Twitter, which, again, as usual, is oh, so, so racist. racist. Um, but it's okay. It's racist against their own type. So that doesn't matter, right? I love it. I love when people do that. I'm Irish and here's the truth about the Irish. That isn't true. That's not true at all. Yeah, yeah we're all alcoholics. Mm, no, no, you no, can't. No. Just because you're Irish doesn't we're mean all... you can say. That's what I always wondered. Belgian chocolate. If I, I don't know how to make chocolate from Adam, but if I went to Belgium and just made chocolate and it becomes Belgian chocolate, does that mean it's good? Probably not. Anyway, that's the truth that we're dealing with here. But on they, the do, well, they also say you are what you eat, but I do not recall eating a sexy beast. Mm, I don't know, though. Yeah. I don't know. I'm leaving it in. I'm leaving that yeah. in there. <laughs>
<laughs> oh, look at that. It's a sexy beast. You know, well, it depends on whether you eat them. Um, Kill it, need it. <laughs> That's the first thing you do. Should we study it? No, eat it. Kill it, need it. I'm going to chomp its face. Anything with eyes. So there we go. At Daryl J. O'Brien, at Steve Diddy NFL on Twitter, at UK Packers on the group accounts, patreon.com forward slash UK Packers. And look, lads, it's Sunday. All right. What are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah. Nothing. You're not doing. You're doing you nothing. So if you're doing nothing, well then by all means, get on to um, just patreon.com. You don't even have to get up off. You can keep your hand on your crotch. Just get on. You can do it from your phone. <laughs> I just love it. You see, no one's going to hear the Patreon shout out or the crotch <laughs> sentence at the end. So we can literally say what we want to say. Oh yeah, do you know, last thing before we go, you know where I did that? And then went over to the opposite side of the studio and started clapping and hollering and going bananas. Yeah. Um, and we said, if anyone crashes, I, I got a yeah. message on Patreon. By someone one, saying, is, that, is that the one you sent me? I sent the text? Yeah. yeah. And they said so that they actually nearly out. did cause mm. someone to crash the car, which is what we said was going to happen. Yeah. We didn't get a body yeah. count though yet. Although maybe we yeah. have. They just haven't tweeted us yet. <laughs> yeah. Right, I'm, I'm dead. dead. <laughs> yeah, just skull emoji. But anyway, there you go. If you're dead, be sure to send us in a skull emoji. Be sure to send in a, yeah. Or give sure us a tweet. Give us a bit of who's on the podcast or something like that. A bit of white noise. Yeah, it's, like, it's like that really good cartoon I saw once where it was kind of this corpse on a bus going, it, that moment when you're dead, but you've too much work to do, so you've got to go to work anyway. <laughs> oh, that's big fact. Only now it'd just be someone in a home office somewhere just slumped yeah. over. Just tap, 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 ping, 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 ping. Emails going in. Right, that's it. I think we should probably just fade off with the black now. Uh, but yeah, anyway, we'll talk to you on the next Quick Snaps. Oh, NFC Divisional Round Edition. Doing it. See ya. You did it. Yeah, I did it. Bye.